Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, the kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels from Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I may go out and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. First of all, what a joy it is to return to you, and it was eight months ago today that I was here back in May, and uh, I, I so look forward to this opportunity. I want to thank Curtis for inviting me, Dennis for showing me the uh, bulletin, Peggy for reading the beautiful choir. Oh my gosh, you just sang beautifully. That was wonderful. The setting up for communion, everything. Uh, it's just a, this feels like home to me. And I commend you on your financial status. Not every church has this uh, wonderful news this time of the year. So kudos to you. This has been great. I have a, uh, what, what shall I say? Um, Spoiler alert or warning alert. You know, we Episcopalians have um, 
short attention spans, so our sermons are not as long as usually the Baptist sermons are. <laughs> I tried to lengthen it, but no can do. So maybe that's a relief for today. I don't know, but uh, apologies ahead of time. <laughs> so on this special Sunday morning, the Epiphany, we heard the words from Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth. Do you think Isaiah knew about our inversion? I don't know. <laughs> and thick darkness, the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Certainly, we experienced the rising of the Lord upon us at Christmas as we all came together in our faith communities to welcome once again the coming of the Christ child into our hearts and into our lives. We heard that beautiful story of the nativity from Luke with the shepherds quaking with the announcement of the angel and the appearance and glorious song of the multitude of the heavenly host. I imagine there was joyful singing in your celebration of this beautiful event in our life of faith. We could see that young, first-time mother with her newborn son who carried so much of the love and power of God in his wee heart. The shepherds were the first to pay homage to this newly arrived Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. These shepherds who had traveled to that manger had been transformed in their hearts and recognized what this meant to the world, a great change, a great shift in their lives that would take place, and they were filled with wonder and awe. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart as well. Life would never be the same from that moment forward. Luke's story is what helps us to be tender towards each other, Charities of all kinds depend upon this overwhelming sense of love and care that we extend to others at this particular time of year. It is a truly beautiful experience that we need to nurture and encourage to continue through the months ahead. I know you're involved with Family Promise, and I know that uh, I think you're involved with Super Bowl of Caring, and you'll be receiving more information from David James, who, when he learned I was coming here, said, make sure you put a plug in. So, David, I put a plug in. But to let this dry up with a dead Christmas tree and to be thrown into the trash is not something we should do. Today, we hear the other birth narrative that is found in the Gospels, this time from Matthew. It does not mesh well with Luke's story, and we must resist the temptation to blend both stories and try to invent a hybrid that will help Hallmark or American card greeting cards with nostalgic pictures. We need to look and hear what Matthew really said. So the children's moment was wonderful, and we all understand there's, there's scripture and there's tradition. So bear with me on this one. So listening to Matthew's gospel this morning, how many kings were there in today's reading? How many kings? Uh, trick question, I have to admit. There is no mention of a specific number. Now, your translation was a different one than I did, so my order is going to be a little out. But it just said the Magi came. Out of tradition, 
we have created three. And that's okay. That's okay. So there was nothing wrong with what Brian led the kids with. One legend actually mentions that there were 12 rather than the three we hear about each year. Were they even kings? What were they called? Magi. Our nativity sets usually show the three dressed in kingly clothes and bearing crowns upon their heads. But kings? They're called wise men or magi. That carries an entirely different meaning. Magi can mean foreigners, fortune tellers, non-Jewish believers who are outsiders, people on the margin of society, Gentiles to be sure. In my translation, the king first mentioned in Matthew is Herod, the Jewish king, a political leader with strong ties to the Romans. We learn later what actions he takes against the innocent children in an attempt to destroy his possible competition. For today's reading, however, we learn that when the visiting magi ask Herod where the child who has been born a king of the Jews is, and that there had been a sign in the heavens, a star at his rising, Herod has a visceral reaction. He was frightened or disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now why was a great, powerful ruler like Herod afraid, and why were the people of Jerusalem feeling that way as well? Herod calls together the chief priests, the Jewish religious leaders, and the scribes, the experts in scripture, to discern what this meant that the Magi had been talking about. Matthew cites a passage from the prophet Micah, although changing it a bit, that the place of this arrival of the new king, the shepherd, the ruler, will be in Bethlehem in the land of Judah, not in Jerusalem, the holy city, the place of power for Herod and the religious leaders, the center of the kingdom, but in a small, marginalized town of Bethlehem, a place that held no powerful sway with politics or kings. The Magi tell Herod when the star had appeared, note, the star had already appeared, and we don't know how long it takes for the Magi to reach Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. Did it take two years, that top age of the innocents who would be killed? Did it take them 12 days, hence the 12 days of Christmas ending on the arrival of the Epiphany? We really don't know, and Matthew does not tell us. Herod urges them to go and to pay homage. Are you kidding me? How sincere was he with this request? The fact he wanted the child to return to Jerusalem is rather ironic, however. We know Jesus does make it to Jerusalem, but not as an infant, but as a man who will sacrifice himself for the love of the people and for the love of God. It is to Jesus Christ that we pay the homage gladly, freely, and lovingly. When the Magi do make it to Bethlehem, out of the many chests that they carry with them, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh are presented to the child. Legends have come out of this, and particular meanings are given to each of these things. The one thing we do know is that these were expensive gifts worthy of a king to be given to one who came of such humble birth. In a respectful action to show that this was someone who mattered, who held something that was transformative in his midst, these men from afar who were Gentiles 
outsiders who felt the glory of God in this place at this time paid this homage to Jesus. The star of Bethlehem had been a wondrous guiding star for them. It did not waver in its brilliance, nor did it wander in the orbit of the earth. This was a sign of God that this star watched over the presence of Jesus. One doesn't need to look back through the ages and find scientific explanations of this phenomenon. One just has to believe the importance of this story that has traveled to us through time, generation upon generation, translation upon translation, until it settles onto us this morning at the First Baptist Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Our faith makes this real. Now these men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. The translation says they left for their own country by another road. In preparing for this homily, and I got a chuckle out of myself this morning, here I am in the First Baptist Church, an Episcopal priest, and I went to a Lutheran pastor's article, Brian Stoffringen, <laughs> to get this other translation. Very ecumenical moment we're having right now. He prefers the translation for road to be way. They left for their own country in another way. Doesn't this make more sense for us? We know the people of the early church were people of the way. These Gentiles, strangers in this land of Judah, were transformed as the shepherds in Luke's gospel were. Of course, this experience of being with the incarnate God found in this baby Jesus showed them another way in their lives. Would they ever be the same? How could they? We don't hear about them again, but imagine what their conversation might have been. Brothers, have you ever felt such peace? Such joy. Did we not feel our hearts stir in a way that we have never felt before? How can we return to Herod? We didn't feel comfortable with him at all, and we must protect this child from him. But we must share with all we meet along this new way, for we can never be the same again. This is the miracle of this new church season epiphany. We get to hear the stories again of all the manifestations, the signs that showed us the ministry of Jesus the man, Jesus the rabbi, Jesus the prophet, Jesus the rebel, and Jesus the lover of souls. We reconnect with this journey of three years as he prepares for that trip to Jerusalem, but that will come later in our church year, won't it? For right now, let us still savor the wonder of this discovery of the Son of God in this house in today's reading, from that stable in Luke's reading, and through John's cosmic poetry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So it is with Epiphany. We get to relive the life of Jesus in his ministry, the way he touched people, no matter who they were, the way he taught his disciples and all of us who followed, the way he healed those who were in need, and always, always directing us to the love of God that is present for all of us, at all times, 
in all places. We simply have to open our hearts to receive. May God continue to be with all of you here in this wonderful community of yours as you carry out God's work among you and all you meet. Amen.